Hey guys, and welcome to the Nashville for Nobodies podcast. I am your host, Bobby Gordon, along with my co-host, Kyle Thurkey, and we're going to be talking about the Nashville music scene and the ins and outs of Lower Broadway and a bunch of other random stuff that comes to mind. So if you're thinking about Nashville or new to Nashville and want to wrap your head around what's going on, this might be a great place to start. Take a listen. What's going on, everybody? We... We got Bobby in I'm the back. room today. Bobby's back. Welcome back, My voice back, is still brother. like half gone, but I'm back. Hell That's yeah. Nice. And then we have a special guest in the house today, one of my good buddies. We got Logan Hatcher. Logan, what's going on, man? Same thing every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we all have no life. It's We all have no lives or we're all too damn busy to actually have a real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. It's all, it's Bobby and I here with Nashville for Nobodies. We got Logan in the house, as I said. Um, so, Logan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and why the hell you're here. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm Logan, Logan Hatcher. Uh, been here for about four and a half years now, and uh, I honestly, I had no aspirations to ever come to Nashville up until like right before it happened. I was, uh, I was born and raised in Washington State. Uh, right out of high school, joined the Marine Corps, and all my family's actually from Clarksville. They're right up north. And oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I mean that's where. So Granddad was in the Army up there. Um, my dad ended up joining the Air Force. He got stationed up in Spokane. Met mom. They settled down. And then uh, when it came time for me to get out, I was stationed in San Diego at the time, and it was great. I loved it there, but it's just super expensive. Yeah. Started just applying for jobs everywhere, thinking of what I was going to do. And then um, looking back at Nashville, I was like, well, damn it. Well, at least at this time, it was cheaper than San Diego. I was like, well, it's cheaper. I've got family there. I could play music for a living. So why not? Yeah. So what what year did you move here? Uh, 2018, June of 2018. Okay. Prices have gone up since then. Oh, yeah. Significantly. Yeah. So when you moved here, uh, I guess that's around the time when I kind of met you, reached out to you due to a, a online Facebook incident. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and I literally didn't know anything about any of this until Kyle mentioned it like a couple weeks ago. Um, so well, do you want to tell us what exactly happened? Yeah, I mean, most people in Nashville forgot, thankfully. But that, that's I, good. I, well, not thankfully. I think it's it's a it's a fun story to tell. It's it's like my chunk of humble pie, and I think that's good for you. But um. Yeah, so like my whole life I've been playing, but I was playing in like high school bands. And then uh, like by the time I left for the military, I was spending all my time, just like my free time anyway, just shedding stuff. I, I had technique for days, but I would learn like dream theater songs and Steve I stuff because who wants to play my church alone in the barracks playing bass? It's just not a good time. Yeah. You, boom, so you, you learn boom, the stuff you want to learn. <laughs> yeah, right. No, for sure. Then, uh, long story short, took like a nine one one gig that they forgot the bass player was out of town. Like now, a good buddy of mine, Andy Lead, um, but showed up to this gig. I was like, hey, like if you really need somebody, I can be there. Like, I was like, I can recharge. I can, I can get through it. <laughs> and uh, it did not, it did not go well. Yeah, so um, it didn't go well, and then whoever was in that band, I don't remember who made the post. No, it wasn't, it wasn't anybody in the band. It, it wasn't was, anybody in the band? It was, uh, once again, now a real good friend of mine, David Higdon. Uh, I just got kind of crucified <laughs> yeah, man, in front of Nashville they, they for They were on there, the and they were like, uh, don't hire Logan. He's terrible. He said he knows all, he knows all the 
the standards. He doesn't know anything. He didn't know any of the songs. He was all over the place. He was just shedding the whole time or shredding the whole time. Like they just like tore you apart. Oh yeah, I mean, I Facebook. wish it was shredding the whole time. I was trying to hang uh, on, but but yeah, they some people did. Yeah, there was a lot of people who like immediately reached out. Were like, hey, I'm playing here this week. Come sit in and play as much as you want. I know I reached out to you. I was like, hey, man, I was like, screw what these people say. Don't worry about it. Whatever you need. I think I might have sent you a set list or something. I was like, here's some standards. Like, feel free to go over those if you don't know them. But, yeah, it, it, that that was crazy, man. And you said this but, was about four and a half years ago? Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, I freaking love it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's good for you to kind of like – and in all reality, it happened to everybody when they first moved to Nashville. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My situation was just very public. Yeah, they, they definitely made it very... Mine was not. I literally was told by bands, they're like, hey, you're not what we're looking for. You might... You need to do some work. Like, go back home, work on this stuff, then maybe go try. Right. See, I was lucky. I got in with a guy that had just gotten on Broadway, so he was kind of learning, too. And so, almost everyone in the band was fresh. So there was not a whole lot of that. It wasn't until I started picking up extra gigs and filling stuff on the side that everybody was like, dude, you need to learn these songs. And I was like, I've been playing them for a decade. Right. Just not right. <laughs> so so you started off coming here, getting crucified by people, and now you work damn near every day, doubles every day almost. Like you said, today's you finally have today off. Yeah. How, how, many, how many shifts do you do on average a month? Oh, right about 60. Jeez. Okay, I mean, so. right now it's, I mean, it's January, so right. it's slower, but I mean, a pretty normal week is 12 to 15 a week. Yeah. So last year I was right at about 15 gigs a week. Uh, this year it's significantly less. Uh, and that that's a personal choice of mine. I'm yeah. finally like, you know, I mean, you guys know everything that I went through. So I'm finally like backing down. I'm like, okay, I can take some time off. There's other projects I want to do such as this. Even though it's just funny, I'm doing this on a day that I have a split double. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, it works out. Um, so, yeah, that, that's awesome, man. Um, so after your crucifixion and people, like, you know, condemning you in this town, what would you do after that? What was Redemption your, what was your story. Just started shedding, dude. I mean, nonstop. And that, that was kind of like going back to what I was saying earlier about just, like, musical background it was I was learning how to play my instrument, but I wasn't learning how to play with other people. And so after getting here, that was a whole new learning experience, kind of doing it over again. Because, I mean, you know how it goes when you're in, in high school bands and stuff. You pick, like, the 20 songs you like because nobody plays for four hours at a time yeah, outside no, of Nashville. That's when, not I, when I came here, that was such an insane thing to me. Was And I even remember looking at my mom and I was like, there's no way I could do this. They're playing for four hours straight. Right. Like, this is insane. Now, I do that now all the time, but, like, look, yeah, like, I never played for more than an hour. And it was usually original music that, like, we wrote with one or two covers thrown in. Right. I was never even in cover bands. I never did the cover thing before moving here. So I only knew, like, five rock cover songs before moving here. And then I came here and I was like, oh, I got to learn, like, 70 songs. hours of music awesome oh yeah <laughs> i mean and it never stops too I'm, no, no it doesn't it, that's a that's another thing i really like though because i mean after meeting enough people who have been here significantly longer than i have even seven to eight years ago if you went to any of the five bars that existed at that time you were hearing the same 100 songs yes granted yep. you had to be a much 
better caliber of player back then. I mean, he was super selective of who was actually playing the circuit. Yeah. But uh, nowadays, the repertoire you have to have to be a working sideman in Nashville is insane. Yeah. And And you still have to be great at figuring stuff out on the fly. And nonverbal communication and being able to transpose. Like, it never ends. Reading each other, hearing the music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. It's a different world. I mean, it's closest thing to, like, I don't want to be sacrilegious saying this, but it's the closest thing to what you saw with jazz cats back in the 20s and 30s of being able to, like, Knowing the song was one thing, but being able to look around at other people on stage and catch cues. Yeah. yeah. There's we, really no other group of musicians who have done that in the country other than like Broadway players. And it's so funny is like to me, there's so when I first came here, I was like, learn it like the record, learn it like the record, learn it like the record. So I would learn songs. Perfect. And then I go play on stage and nobody played it like the record. Everybody had different intros. Everybody had different outros. Mm -hmm. People would skip bridges. I mean, there were things I was just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Right way, wrong way, Broadway. Yeah. I've been saying it forever. Yep. Yep. I have have that shirt that says, uh, what, uh, the wrong way and Broadway or something like that. It's that Crossroads t-shirt. Yeah. But. And I mean, I'm sure you've, you've been there in that position where you have the group of tourists who comes up to you and you're like, well, they say, oh, you guys are so good. How long have you been a band? And you're in that band that everybody met 20 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things. Uh, We were rocking the other week, and um, I brought in a new band. We were crushing it. Somebody came over and was like, you guys are amazing. I was like, yeah. I just threw these guys together yesterday. They all showed up today. We all just met. (laughs) Isn't that the best feeling in the world, though? Like, where you... You show up to that gig and you haven't met anybody. Everybody's kind of... It's like the scene from The Office where Michael's pointing his fingers. (laughs) Right. But and then you end up just crushing it. Yep, I, I love those. Gigs. I love those. Those are my favorite too, gigs in the world. And it, for me, it always like tests me. It's like okay, like you know your stuff. You know who you normally play with. Like can can you still hang with other people? And seventy five percent of the time, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, wanna, I was definitely happy with the outcome. Yeah, I, I want to get there to a hundred percent all the time, but um. I'm lazy and I don't practice as much as I should. Which Dude, is, when do you have time to practice? That's I, the thing. It's I, like, I, I want to practice. I a lot. don't. I don't. I see this dude Logan always posting up videos of him doing little clips and shredding and having fun. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little bit. I practice less than I used to, but it's a little bit different because, like, I was saying earlier, me learning Dream Theater and like Steve Vai stuff. The first album I ever remember hearing when I was a kid. Um, my dad was playing Satriani flying a blue dream. So that's, that's the album that like put me into music. And because of that, all my major influences as a musician have mostly been guitar players. Okay. It's always been fusion guys like Alan Holsworth. Um, then like all the, the prog rock guys, it was Petrucci, Steve Vai, Satriani, Sean Lane is my biggest hero in the world. So like that, that was what I wanted to be able to achieve as a bass player. I just happen to like the instrument more. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've, I've, I've learned how to turn it on and off. So I've learned how to play like the bass player role and then do the, I'm, I mean, have you been over the house yet? 
I mean, I've, yeah, you haven't I've, seen the like. Yeah, I've just come in and dropped my gear off for you to fix for me. <laughs> I've got a space kind of like this, but it's just filled with like loads and loads of basses and albums and pedals, especially is my thing because I like messing around with tones. Mm-hmm. Once again, kind of coming from all that stuff that I listen to, and so I, I had to kind of relearn how to be the function of a bass player in a band. Yeah, because it's it's a totally different thing. But all the stuff I post online, that's very much like technical ability sort of stuff, I guess. Yeah. Well, especially in this town, like doing playing your role as a bass player, like people want you in the pocket doing what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to lock in with the drummer. You guys lead everybody. Like that's what it's supposed to be. There's not a whole lot of flashy, crazy playing or showing off until they like introduce you oh and here's logan on base and then you get to do something other than that it's like you're you got to stay locked in that's that's what people are looking for and oh, god forbid i throw an extra couple kick hits in there jesus <laughs> double bass dude just send it i get in trouble a lot <laughs> play some double bass on more Mer- haggard tunes that's what i want to look hear. man as long as for the majority of the song i can lock in with you and we're good and you want to throw a few kicks in there like I don't give a damn. It's the people that's like literally every other line, your kick pattern is different that I get frustrated with. That's fair. I'm like, that's a different yeah. thing. Yeah. You can't groove with that. No, you cannot. You're like, you, you lock in, you figure out the pattern. You're like, okay, cool. And I, like I've noticed. So I've played with like three different drummers in the last week with the band that Biden normally play with Bobby for our morning country gig. And everybody has a different foot. Yep. And so at the beginning of the song, that first verse, like I'm listening to the foot and I'm like, where do I lock in? Okay, here it is. Because everybody, it, it's different. There's some guys that play it just like the record. There's some guys that kind of do what they want. There's guys that do a little bit of both. So you're just like, all right, cool. But there's some people out there, man, that if I cannot find your kick pattern, I'll never hire you again. <laughs> but see, that's a cool learning thing too because like, Going back to repertoire, as many songs as you need to learn. Mm-hmm. One, uh, one song I always think of, just because it's kind of it's really common right now, is "Beer Never Broke My Heart." The mm-hmm. Combs. Yeah, you learn that song like the record, but I know that depending on what band you're playing with, you play it differently. Oh yeah, oh yeah, a hundred percent. So you don't learn these songs one time; you learn them like three or four mm-hmm. times, and you know how to swap them out depending on who you're yep. playing with. Yep. No, that one in particular, I'm always paying attention at the end because, like, which ending are we doing? There's oh. the three hits. There's the dead stop. Are you playing the, the five at the last chorus that nobody <laughs> freaking does downtown except for like two guys? It's nuts. See, yeah, I I don't I don't play that five, and I know I should. Well, see, but but I, will say, does. I will say I do know the few players that do do it. And so then I'm like, I'm like, okay, we're going to the five here. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. Like, you know when to do it and when not to do it. Right. Because if you still play the five and the guitar player is playing on the four, it's not going to sound good. So you know that you're going to stay on the four. The, mm. go- the goal is not to play it the right way. The goal is to make everybody on stage sound good. Right. Yes. That. Well said. Very well said. Thank you very much. Yeah. No, I like that. That's, that's very well done, sir. All right, so we, we we talked about like obviously you do this full time. You don't have another job. No. But 
You did have a, a day job of sorts for a little while, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Like in the middle of COVID, I worked yeah. uh, as a base tech for Warwick and Sadowski. Oh, that's cool. You want to hear his crazy story from before COVID through COVID? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so this was fun. Um, Poor guy went through hell, man. I, oh. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I uh, I got it just dry. For, uh, there was, I think this was would have been March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, so in the span of five weeks, at this point, I was still working a full-time job. I was a production manager. Actually, yeah, so this would have been end of, 20, end of 2019. I was working as a production manager for a distribution company. Um, not playing full-time, but we'll get to that. Um. Got that job. Me and my wife divorced that month. Moved into a new apartment. Got laid off from the day job because of COVID. And then the day I unpacked my last box, a tornado came through and I took out my apartment. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Just lost it all in a month. So, like, at what point were you just like, I quit? I give up? There's nothing that can happen that's good right now. No, it was the exact opposite. Really? I'm not going to lie to you. I woke up that morning. Also, I didn't wake up during the tornado. Because <laughs> <Nice>. I was <laughs> the entire time I was in the military, I was next to helicopters. And so the, the barracks were on the other side of the flight yeah, line. You're used to that. Okay. So you, that's what you hear in the background. Like, just that all that loud noise. And, uh... Yeah, I didn't wake up. My buddy Josh called me at 3.30 in the morning. Um, I, yeah, you know Josh Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, sure do. Uh, called me at 3.30 in the morning, first ring. I was like, oh, yeah, man, what's up? No clue. I'm like, dude, why are you calling me at 3 o'clock in the morning? Um, he's like, yeah, there's a tornado that just came through town. Like, it went through your neighborhood. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then, like, look outside and everything's just destroyed. How I, nobody in my complex died. And I don't know how. That's crazy. Because it looked like a bomb went off. But, um, yeah, I, I went up to my front door, opened it up, whole tree laying right in front of it. I had to walk a quarter mile just to get out to the main road um, because there were so many trees in the way. But there's really something about waking up and being like, dude, I can drop the ball so hard right now. And it's not going to get worse. That's <laughs> nice. fair. That's fair. I was in a strange way. I was like, man, I can do whatever I want and nothing's going to bite me in the ass. Because what's left to lose? What's, yeah, what's left? I was like, you, at this point you have, you, you've lost like everything. So you're like, all right, well, screw it. <laughs> no, but that was exactly it. And I just, after that, it was just balls to the wall. Just let's make this happen. I love that. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Cause I, that is not how I would have reacted. No, and most people wouldn't, to be honest. Most people would just, they they throw their hands up in there and be like, yeah, I give up. Um, I guess we could blame it a little bit on part of you being uh, a Marine, because you guys are uh, relentless in that way, that's for sure. Oh, we're stubborn. <laughs> yes, y'all are. <laughs> My oldest brother is a Marine. I've, I've been around military for a long, long time, so I completely understand that. So... After after like you wake up and like you know you all that's happened, what was your what was your plan of action? What'd you do after that? Like, where where'd you go stay? Where'd you go live? What would you do? Because 
that was one of the apartment buildings. They were like, yeah, nobody can stay here. Y'all got to get out, right? Yeah, it was yeah. completely, it was it was a total loss. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, my unit itself was pretty okay. Like just my own apartment, not the one, like, well, next to me and part of mine, the roof was gone. Um, but there was other units that had like the big outdoor air conditioning units just thrown right through them. Jeez. Like I said, I don't know how nobody got hurt. I really have no idea. But uh, very conveniently, my uh, current roommate, John, uh, his roommate was moving out within a week of that happening. So I just couch surfed with my cousin for a little while and then uh, moved in over there in Hermitage. Um, And after that, it was just, I mean, everybody knows the whole, the, the COVID period was weird. Yeah. So that on top of everything I was going through, I don't want to say that I had like that stupid phase in my life, but to, to give you a ballpark of this is how like my next week started. My best friend, Monica Llewellyn plays a ton around town too. We kind of knew each other through proximity. Um, and at the time her boyfriend had just broken up with her and she calls me one night. She's like, Hey dude, I know we don't know each other all that well, but I'm over at Old Hickory Lake. I know it's like 10 minutes down the road from your house. I'm on my friend's boat, just chilling. Like, I know you're going through it too. Can you just come hang out for a while? I was like, yeah, I'll swing by. What planned on being one hour was us on that houseboat on Old Hickory for three days, just like drinking Jameson and listening to Led Zeppelin records. And we became best friends ever after that. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. But th- but that's what it was. It was kind of just like having fun, not not being stupid, but just doing stuff I didn't ever get to do. Yeah. Because also right out of the military, it was like right out of the military and of a marriage, you for the last seven years of my life at that point, it was just like schedule, being told what to do if you want to go do something later you have to tell somebody hey like i'm gonna be out late so for me at 20s 25 26 that was the first time i just got to do whatever i wanted and not have to talk to anybody that around that age was kind of for me at the same time i just got i had moved here at 25 and just got out a terrible relationship and done with school done with a, a job and everything and i was kind of like I had a I had a job, but like, this is an hourly job. Who cared? Like, I could do whatever I wanted. Like, if I didn't want to go in, I didn't have to go in. And it was like that was the first time in my life where I like was like, I can make my own decisions. No one can tell me yes or no. I can do whatever I want. No parents. <laughs> and now we all play music for a living. <laughs> yeah. How did that work out? <laughs> I mean, I think I think we're doing all right. We're all still here, alive and living, and doing it and playing. You know, so it's hanging on week to week though. So. So so back to plan. Okay, so you guys hung out and did all that. You moved in with John, and just just kind of just started playing a whole bunch, or because you weren't working, or oh uh, no, I started uh, working a whole lot. I meant like I meant like a day job working. Sorry. Oh no, but oh <laughs> uh, yeah, like at that point, I went to uh, I Warwick and was working as a tech. That's right. That's right. I do remember that. Um, but I mean, March is when things really start to pick up in Nashville as far as work goes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And God, I can't wait for March to get here. Oh, Just dude, hanging on. I'm, I'm ready for it. 
but it's like you, you would go out. I mean, you know how it goes. You play a you play a double on a Saturday. You can clear five to eight hundred dollars depending on where you're at. Yeah, if you, you got know? a good gig. Oh yeah. And so very quickly, I was like, man, I'm making in a day doing the thing I love. What most people in America are making in a week or two. If yeah, I mean, my, yeah. my day job when I moved here. Uh, I was after taxes and my insurance and everything after two, every two weeks, my paycheck was like five eighty. Yeah. And I'm clearing that in some, you know, like you said, sometimes not all the time, like two gigs, easy, easy. And you're like, Oh wow. Okay. Now granted, <laughs> like I've got a big love hate relationship with working on Broadway. Me too. Because it, it's kind of soul crushing at times. You're like, Oh, I got to play the song again for, you know, the fifth time this night to a different crowd. But the money is incredible. And like, obviously you got, you have to be decent to be working a lot. Yeah. Um, so that's my problem. And <laughs> I wouldn't even say decent. You, you gotta be good to be working a lot. Like you've, you, and not just do. a good like, player. We, we, like, you got to be a good dude. Yeah, you got to be a You got to be somebody people want to work with. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I've gotten I've gotten tons of gigs, both on the road with artists and downtown, just because people like me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll never forget this. Um, probably not. I'm not going to say any names online, but um, I got this call several years back from a guy who was playing a lot of classic country stuff. And at the time, I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. And so this was at the point where I've learned you just don't take any gig that gets offered to you. you. You take it if you know you can nail it. Right. And I was like, hey, if you could send me a set list, that'd be great. Send it to me. I'm like, you know what? I'm really not the guy for this gig. I would love to. I'm available. But I'd rather send you this guy who I know, who I know has that repertoire down. And his reaction was, oh, yeah. We know him. We just don't like him. He knows the songs. And so people were more willing to hire me because they got along with me than hire somebody that they know will nail the set, but they just don't get along with them. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've I've been in that situation before on both ends. I've been the guy that everybody liked. I've also been the guy that nobody liked. Very so. much the same. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I get that completely. So that that actually kind of leads into one of the next things I wanted to talk about is you said you do do some road gigs. So my question was, are you just on Broadway? Are you on the road? Are you doing both? So how does that work out for you? Definitely both. I make sure not to put all my eggs in one basket. Yeah, we, we've talked about that before. Definitely. I need more baskets. <laughs> and, and this goes for like the road and Broadway and session stuff. But I've seen so many musicians who had one steady thing going for them. And then out of nowhere, it went away. Yep. Whether that was they got fired, the bar didn't want to book their shifts anymore. The person who was fronting and their name was on the check had a drug problem and now all of a sudden they're not working for that circuit anymore. There's tons of things that can happen. Right. Seems oddly specific. <laughs> <laughs> I can name a few, but uh, maybe not quite so specific. <laughs> I just want to put myself in a position where I know that if one or two things go away, I don't have to worry about it. Right. But along with that, Broadway is not a career and 
people really need to understand that before they think they want to move to Nashville yes. and play Broadway. Yes, it is. It's a job that you're only going to do for a little while, however long that little while may be. I mean, I know guys that have been in town for 15 years. Like, oh yeah, I've been playing Broadway 15 years, but then they'll tell you, I don't play weekly. I don't play it every day. I been playing it for 15 years but like a couple times a month or this and that because yeah it it's while you have said yes at times the money can be good also like right now the money is not good and we're all struggling mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's it's just not a sustainable career choice and it's not a career it's not it is a job. I, I hate to put it. You're not way. progressing I mean, and being, doing being anything. Being a musician no. is your career. Working on Broadway, I don't think, should be your career goal. Right. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, the, there's a lot. I mean, for you nerds out there, my buddy uh, Chris Hera, if he, I'm sure you guys have played with him before. Phenomenal guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um, he described it like in Dragon Ball Z where it's the hyperbolic time chamber. Like yes. you, you go in for a day. Well, what perceives to be a day, you come out, you've got a year of experience, and everybody on the outside has only been out there for 24 hours. Yeah. Yes. That is what Broadway is. It's like you come here and what you should do, because, I mean, you guys know, when you play this much over the course of a week, your ear has developed so much, your ability to pick out intervals, rhythms, everything, you, you leave so much better than you came in. One of my favorite things, terms I've ever heard, and one of the ways I describe to people all the time Broadway is Broadway's boot camp for musicians. And you, as someone who's been in the military, I feel that you can understand that. It's boot camp for the musicians because you never know what you're going to play, even if you play with the same bands every single week. Right. Someone's always going to request something you've never played. It's their favorite song, and they're going to pay you a lot of money to play it. Yep. And you're just like, all right, we're doing this. And then, like you said, it, it trains your ear a lot, just your playing. I mean, to when I first got on Broadway, I was playing probably 20 or so hours a week at home just practicing, and then on Broadway playing close to 40 to 50 hours a week. So I'm 60 hours a week playing my instrument. Within that first six months, my skill level went from like a two to like a seven. Like it, right. it was ridiculous because I was just I was playing so much. My fingers got better. I mean, just everything. My coordination, my ear, everything got better. And I mean, it can't not putting that many hours into something. Exactly. Like it's, it, that's not it's true. Accidentally going to get better. That's not true. That's really, not, man. What I've example played, do you have? I'm curious. I've played with a few people in the past that. Uh, Obviously, I'm not going to name any names, but still someone that I know. Uh, I just, I, he's a great, great player. Absolutely great player. We've been playing these songs for years together, but every time he steps on the stage with me, I just look at him like, what do you, what happened to you? And I don't know if it's something of him being on stage, but no, it can't be because when we used to be on stage together, he used to play great. But it's like, as he gets older, it's getting worse. I don't really know. But there's a, there's a lot of things that come different into that. thing then. Yeah, that's, that's not just like we're, we're talking about reps. I mean, it's, it's like anything else. Like it's sports. It's any other art form. Like right. If you if you practice it, 
consistently. Most people. You're going to get better, but also along with that, you have to practice it the right way. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, it's, it's like and you if you lift with bad form all the time, criticism. then you're not doing anything for yourself. As right. a musician anywhere in the world, you have to learn to take constructive criticism from everybody. People better than you, people worse from you. Everybody's paying attention. Everyone has a different ear than you. They're hearing things different. And whether you like what they have to say or not, you should still take what they say and be like, maybe I should look into that. Like, even if you disagree with it, you're like, all right, well, okay, they said this, they heard something. Am I doing that? Yes or no. But if you disagree with it, it needs to be because you actively understand the situation and not because you don't want to deal with it. Right. Right. And that, that's the problem with um, the person that I'm talking about is they're, they always think they're right. And it's, it's an unfortunate situation, but it's, that's more or less a needle in the haystack when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, but so you do the Broadway and the road stuff. Um, <coughs> you have set Broadway gigs that you do, correct? Like you've got some like steady residencies. Yeah. Like to call them. I've got about like, I think it's about seven or eight that I know I'm going to have every week. Mm-hmm. They're just on the schedule, and then That's anything nice. outside of that is like, "Hey, can you come play in a couple hours?" Like, yeah, yeah. And then, so for your road stuff, is it with people you're playing with on Broadway or off Broadway? Both? Uh, off Broadway. Off Broadway. Okay. Um, so yeah, they're all like pretty established artists. I was out with uh, Neon Union all this last year. Um, Brooklyn. Who else were we playing with? I did uh, a couple one-offs with Ella Langley. My yeah. buddy Ryan had me sub for uh, for him. Yeah, but uh, I, Michael used to play with her for a little while too. So is that uh, how you got those yeah, gigs talking. being called to sub yeah. when somebody was out, and then eventually just getting the gig? Well, I mean that's how I got the Neon Union gig too. I mean we were on tour with Jimmy Allen, um, and it was as simple as like I was on stage one night on a Tuesday. I got a text on my phone as I was reading a chart and it said, Hey, my name's Aaron. Uh, I'm Jimmy Allen's manager. I got your name by recommendation. Can you start touring two days? And the answer of course is yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, absolutely. And, but, but that's, that's how it works. I mean, you, you work enough um, in town and you make a good enough name for yourself. After a while, you stop looking for work. Mm-hmm. It just, it starts coming your way. Um, granted, you have to spend a lot of time like, if you're working all day and you don't have any gigs, too bad. Take your ass downtown and go meet people, shake hands, show face. That is the hardest thing for me. Like everything in me screams, no, public, don't want to go. We, we have discussed that I don't know how many times. It's, it's on this such podcast. a hard part of the career. It's, it's definitely the one thing that I try to, I try to push people is when, when people offer you a gig, if you feel comfortable, 100% take it. Mm-hmm. And then another thing is just getting out there, getting your name known, your face known, people knowing who you are. One of the things, like, for me, I joke all the time, and we've talked about it before, is I didn't start getting a lot of phone calls until, like, I'd made some physical changes in my life, my hair, my body shape, all that. Then I started getting more calls because I became more recognizable and people started remembering who I was. And it, it helps a lot. But yeah, you, you got to get out there. You got to get known. And I mean, before I did all that, I was playing like with one group, working a day job or doing some stuff like that. I wasn't completely full time. Or if I was, I was on the road on the weekend, then one gig in town during the week. And so it just, 
now I'm playing, like you said, anywhere from seven gigs to 15 gigs a week. And um, doing so, got my name out there. People started knowing who I was. Making the physical changes definitely helped people recognize me. You're the bass player with the mohawk. Yeah. I'm, no, not even that. I'm the bass player with the green mohawk. Yeah. Because there's also Marcelo. So oh, you, yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> If you say that, people think of two different people. But yeah, it's it's definitely it's helped a lot. I will say that much. I need to bring my mohawk back. Yeah, getting getting to know people, key in this town, meeting people, getting out there. That's the first thing I did. Um, I moved here and I immediately had a day job, and on the weekend I spent Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday on Broadway. First probably month was all me partying and drinking because like ah nashville new this is fun and then after that it was i just started people started recognizing me i talked to door guys sound engineers then i would meet the bass players <coughs> then the singers and oh you're a bass player oh yeah we're always looking for subs and that's how i got one of my first gigs was subbing for somebody yeah that's how i actually i got probably 90 percent of my gigs is subbing oh, for yeah. somebody else yeah that's how it goes. Yeah. So. And I mean, I guess kind of the double-edged sword. Like, I was super lucky when I came to town because I knew a couple of people and I ended up getting a couple of consistent gigs really quick. And so I was playing all week with two different groups and didn't have to meet anybody. Like, I was busy. Right. And then once that went away, which everything goes away, I didn't know anybody and kind of had to start over. And then COVID and everything hit, and then I started doing a lot more road stuff. And so a lot of the contacts I had left. And so Broadway completely flipped. It was a whole bunch of new people. And I get off the road, and I need to go back to Broadway. And again, I don't know anybody anymore. So it's kind of been a, a recycling concept in my career. And I got to get better at knowing people and meeting people and being social. I mean, that happens a lot. I've seen tons of guys who are like, hey, I'm going on the road for the next three months. Let me have this guy sub in for me. And then all of a sudden, your sub became the new oh, yeah. regular guy. That's that's happened to me on three different gigs. Yep. What's really frustrating is when it happens and like you only needed them to sub one time, like one gig, and then all of a sudden you're replaced. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's like it's because that person's a better fit for the band. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just because they might have had more availability. Yep. Yeah. Like I've got, I mean, you've played with Nick Walker before. Haven't oh, you? yeah. Yeah. Like Nick would call me all the time. And then for like six months, I was booked every time he would call me. And then we started playing together again. He's like, yeah, I just stopped calling you because I figured you were busy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every time I'm like, I no, talk dude, to him, still call me. Man, like, same thing. He, I played for him for like weeks straight. And then he would call me and be like, yeah, I got my residencies back. I'm, I'm back here with this band. I'm, I'm doing this. And he's like, oh, he's like, all right, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try you next time. And then he'd try again. Oh, nope, I'm booked. I'm busy. And now I don't hear from him at all. And the few yeah, times two or three no's him, and the few times I've talked to him on the bottom um, of the list again, the same thing. It's I'm like, yeah, man, hit me up if, if you ever need me. He's like, I do. And you're never available. And I'm like, all right, that's fair. <laughs> I, I try and it's tell fair. people, I'm like, it at least give me. A week, if not two weeks notice. Yeah. Because, like, I do, to a degree, I like to bounce around sometimes. Like, I've got one band I always play Saturday nights with at Cash's. Mm -hmm. But, you know, every now and then, if somebody hits me up, 
a few weeks in advance, be like, hey, can you play Saturday? I'll call one of my other buddies and have him take that gig for me so I can do this other one. Yeah. It's not about being more money or anything like that, but it's kind of just, it's nice to break up your schedule a little bit and kind of just get refreshed with a different style of music. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably my biggest thing is like, I, one of the, one of the bands that I work with right now, he only, there's, if he has to sub out anybody other than our guitar player, he would just rather cancel the gig completely. Because we do more of like a show than a Broadway thing. So like I get it's that. It's orchestrated. Yeah, yeah, it very much is. So I get that. Um, but that that was one thing with a couple of different bands that I've worked with in Nashville. Like if it's been like, oh, well, we want you on our band full time all the time. Like you need to be here all the time. If you're not, like we need to look for somebody that is. I'm like, look, it's only one show. And they're like, nope. <laughs> you know? And But I, I do too. That's why I... I have my morning shifts that are like the classic country and then I have a shift that's more like bro country and a little bit of 90s rock and then I have a shift now with Bobby that's it's definitely more rock than anything. We do a little bit of country. We'll do like maybe four we, or we, five we country. We start out with country and then we definitely turned it into like the rock and party stuff. So like for me, I've personally orchestrated that way so that I am doing different things and not the same bands every day. But it has gotten to the point where I'm doing the same shifts. It's getting a little redundant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's certain shifts I really don't enjoy. And I think that everybody understands that. And luckily, I'm in a place now where it's like, oh, maybe I don't want to do this shift right now. I'm not going to make enough money. Yeah. I'll just pass it off to somebody else if they want it. Um, And somebody always wants it. But there's times like yeah, um, somebody's always gonna take your shift, unless it's a morning shift and you're like dying on the toilet and then nobody wants to get up in the morning. That's happened to me a few times. That sucks. I'll take those gigs for friends, or if I know it's musically rewarding. Yeah. So yeah. this guy, I don't know if you guys have ever played with Wes Cook. I know who he is. I've never played. With Same. Him. I've played with him several times <laughs> on like Saturday mornings at the stage, and they're not easy gigs for me. I don't know. Like I got. My buddy Larry called me a sub for him one time, and then I took the gig, and uh, it was tough for me. Like I was neck deep in charts the entire time, stuff I really didn't know. Mm-hmm. But like he still calls me. But I really enjoy being pushed outside my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, and learning songs that are not in my wheelhouse. Because sometimes, I mean, you know how it goes. Even if you play songs you know and that you're really comfortable with, I like to have to try a little harder sometimes because I know I come out on the other end a better player and more versatile. That That's completely fair. That Honestly, that has been my entire career here in Nashville um, is stepping outside of my comfort zone. Uh, it, it really has. I didn't know any of these country tunes or standards when I moved here. I came from Houston, Texas, and we had the Texas country scene, but even that I wasn't outside of George Strait, man. I was, <laughs> I really listened to a whole lot of country. I just didn't George Strait, a little bit of Willie Nelson here and there. And then that was it. Um, I knew some Johnny cash, but when I came here and I was having to learn all these standards and all these, you know, top 100 radio songs and top forties and even still to this. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the country stuff now it's all, one four five six and easy numbers but 
still to this day, like even when I go play with Monty and some of these rock bands that do a lot of like some of like the the eighties rock or even um I'm I'm big on nineties grunge, but there's still some of those bands like I don't I've always listened to Stone Temple Pilots and I love them, but I've never ever played it until just like two years, three years ago. I started playing Stone Temple Pilots, and that stuff is and it is not easy. Harmonically, very complicated too. Yeah. Whenever somebody says, "Oh, what key are we playing this Stone Temple Pilots song?" and I say, "Yes," because it, it, there's accidentals all over the place. It's it moves around so much, and you th- th- those songs you can't throw numbers. It's either you know it or you don't. Mm-hmm. 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 I do have a couple bass tabs that like help me get through some of the songs. I'm like, okay, I can, I can, I can fumble through this. Like, people are drunk enough, no one's gonna give a shit. I can fumble through this. But yeah, there's some stuff like still to this day. Like, I'm still sitting down working on learning because I just it's not. I moved here and I was like, oh, you gotta learn all this country stuff. So I hardcore learned all the country stuff, and now it's changing. Yeah, Broadway is changing. It is not what it used to be 10 years ago. It wasn't what it was five years ago. It wasn't what it was three years ago. Broadway is changing. I've heard more punk and emo on that street in the last six months than I think I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. Like, it's it's crazy. I mean, there's whole and shifts full of punk rem- and emo. And- I remember one time I someone wanted to hear all the small things, and like my band knew it, my singer didn't, and, I was, and this was years ago. Uh, seven or so years ago and I was like oh, I'll sing it it's easy and he was like no man we play country and I was like dude but the crowd wants it like they're tipping for it they want it you know and wouldn't do it now that's like a standard song that everybody plays yeah. all oh, the yeah. small things and you're like alright <laughs> what's going on and, and that's going to continue to happen well but- it's because all of us that's the stuff we listened to when we grew up and now we all have money and that's what we want to hear yeah like if you think about it, people and, are and by age, we you mean of, our generation. Yes, I mean us. the generation, not the three of us, <laughs> not the three of us. But um, maybe combine the three of us might have a little bit of money. But no, um, our generation—they're at that age, and I've had this discussion with several people. They're at mm-hmm. that age that we have money now. We have what we like to call adult money. <laughs> we right. go do adult things and spend it on whatever the hell we want. Like and Funko Pops. Yeah, like my collection of like 50-something Funko Pops that I have over here. But so those people are the ones that are coming to town now. And like that's what's popular. But also like for our generation when we were younger, when we were younger, late teens, early 20s, at least for me and some of my friends, we started listening to like a lot of the music that our parents listened to. Right. We started getting into some of that. So it's kind of like our parents were probably like, oh, now you like our music. And I think it's like the same thing. We're like, oh, now you guys like our music. Like it's yeah. the same vicious cycle. And in five years, the stuff that we're playing now, gonna be you're cool. not going to hear it. Nope. Yeah. Now, that being said, I feel like there's a very certain respect that needs to be paid to Nashville, i.e. like Roberts and Layla's. Like, oh, yeah. I, if I walked yes. into Roberts and I heard somebody playing all the small things, I'd be really upset. That I, yes, a hundred percent. Because that is like the to me that's like the mecca that's a of Broadway. Tonk. That is what that's a honky tonk right there. Yeah, it needs to be preserved and respected because that is what everybody else you see doing downtown. That's where it started. Yeah, that's why when Noah and them want to do some of that stuff at the morning shift, and I'm like, no. 
Like, well, you know how to sing it. I'm like, yeah, but that's not what these people are here for. Right, right. They're they're coming to hear what you guys are normally playing. They, I, no, I know, and, like, and, and a piece of Nashville always needs to be that. Yeah, you always need to be able to find that. Yeah, regardless whatever's popular and going on down the street. Like, you always need to be able to find legitimate raw country music. And, and I'm saying that as somebody who's not. The biggest classic country fan in the world. Yeah. But I've got a massive respect for it. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the first bars that I personally... Actually, I think Roberts was the first bar that I personally ever walked into that had a stand-up bass, pedal steel, a fiddle, on top of all the other instruments. Like, you, you know, like... It and was, they're all cooking, too. Yeah. They were all super talented. They all were taking solos in almost every song. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's incredible to me. And you go there, outside of those two bars, I don't know that you see that really anywhere else. You'll have a fiddle here, or you'll have like Shane will be out with his stand-up bass, but he's still playing all the the popular tunes. Um, you'll hear it in morning shifts, yeah. most places. But those are the two places, 100%, that like we definitely need to preserve, save, and keep sure that like, like make sure that Nashville keeps around, because that's... That is what Nashville is. And there's is. always going to be that group of people that are coming to Nashville for that reason. Right. So that yeah. absolutely has to be a staple. I mean, the guy this morning, all he called for was Merle and Willie and Willie. That's all he called for this mm-hmm. morning was the old classic country. And that's all we played. Because um, he was the only one there. That, that is also <laughs> true. Uh, we had zero people for the first hour two people for the next 30 minutes and then like another two or three people came in then everybody left and then we had like another group of three came in then they left and then we didn't have anybody for like an hour and then all of a sudden the last until like 150 thir- we never last had more 30 than four minutes, people the, yeah, the last 30 minutes we had like maybe 15 people right and then they left as soon as we were, as done. As we were done they all left <laughs> I'm sure Ryan and them pulled in more people they're, they're a fantastic band yeah, and it's not the morning shift. Yeah. Those morning shifts, they definitely can be a little... So, wh- since we're talking about genres of music, how did you get from progressive to country? Money. That, yep. Fair I statement. mean, that's that's all there is fair to statement. it. Fair statement. I, I had a guy, and this was fairly recently, like after I'd gotten myself established um, as a player in town, and uh, I, he was moving I came somewhere in the Northeast, and I get a Instagram message from him one day. He's like, hey, I want to move to Nashville, but I don't want to play country. I just want to play, like, rock and pop. I said, cool. You'll not make a very good living. I mean, you have to play whatever people want yep. in order to make money. And then that stuff that maybe you weren't the biggest fan of, you start falling in love with it. Like, I love me some 90s country now. I did not grow up with it. I did not move here as a fan of it, but now I love it. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of 90s country. I am. I love 90s country, man. 90, <laughs> 90s music in general. Oh, yeah. 90s music in general, for to me, it was just like, no holds barred. Do whatever you want. Just whatever you want to do. It was... What's the formula? Scratch that. We're not doing that. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't polished. It no, was art no. for the sake of being yeah. art. We, you were writing it because these were the songs and things that you felt. 
You weren't writing it for a number one. You weren't writing it for a hit. You were writing because you liked it. You were creating your own piece of art, and you were putting it out in the world for everybody here. Nobody gave a damn. And yeah, 90s music's fantastic. But the 90s country, one of my biggest complaints about it, why does almost every song have a stupid, pointless key change? <laughs> I mean, that's like all... That was... <laughs> like, think about it. Like, that's like, oh, we don't know what else to do with the song. We need another 45 seconds. Go from A to B! <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a thing. But, yeah, I mean, mid-90s stuff did that with country tunes. It was a... Uh, like, look at um, Two Dozen Roses, Shenandoah. Mm-hmm. Um, John Deere Green. That was the one I was just thinking of. It was a thing, but then if you go back and look at 80s pop, so look at songs like uh, Your Love, and then um, Summer 69, Brian Adams. Very similar chord changes, and then both go to a flat three in the bridge. It was like, people have always looked at what was working, and then... Yeah, made a different version of it. They would do like a key change in the bridge and then go back. Like it was and cool. then go back down. Like... It, where the 90s music it's just like oh we're just starting a key change and the song stays the same like nothing nothing else is changing other than the key right. like they were at least they were playing different chords they were they were doing something they were trying to do something with, different with the bridge and I totally respect that and I think it's awesome because you would you go and change it's something different with the song you're like oh what's going on here and then it goes back and you're like what the hell happened where the 90s key change is just like, oh, let's just go up a key. Okay, here we are. I think a lot of that was is a vocalist thing. Yeah. Not, I mean, it's just like, oh, let's show you that we can move up a step. Yeah. Whitney Houston did it all the time. Um, but again, you see it all the like the 90s country. But then with like 90s rock, getting back to what you're saying, it's like, let's just take this bridge into a whole different key, come back, shift into another one. Why not? Look at all STP stuff live. Did that all the time. Um, but yeah, it was just like, like you said, let's just do whatever the hell we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there was no like rhyme or reason to it. So that that that's my again, that's my only complaint with '90s music is like the oh, well, we don't know what else to do creatively, so let's just key change up. And I get yes, like you said, good point, Whitney Houston, and her very understandably, she's trying to hit some high ass notes. She wants to show like what she can do. I respect that. Just a rock band changing the key or a country band changing the key just to change it to add an extra 45 seconds. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. mean, that's that's fair. Just how I feel about it. <laughs> and then you get to Broadway and you may or may not do the key change depending on who's singing. <laughs> may or may Damn. not do the key change. Might do the key change, but you're going to start a step lower so they can hit it. Might well, do the key change, but skip the bridge. <laughs> and if you don't ask beforehand, then they don't do it, and you look like an asshole. <laughs> yeah, whatever you're going to default to is wrong. <laughs> That's my... Whenever I'm with a new band, and they call Chattahoochee, I'm like, are we playing the bar or two, of, or no? And sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes is what bar of two. If you come yep. to Nashville to play on Broadway... Please learn how to play Chattahoochee, and um, but understand that you're going to play it 19 different ways. Yeah, well, because there's three recorded versions of that song too. Mm-hmm. There's the radio version, the short. There's sorry, radio, the extended version, 
And then there's a version that has a longer solo, I believe. And they're all played different ways. Yeah, that's definitely a song that everybody has to talk about if it's going to go smooth through that. Yeah. Through that instrumental portion. I always just look at the guitar player. If it's someone I've ever played with and we go to that song and we didn't talk about it, I'll look at the guitar player. I'm like, you, you, are we doing that second go around? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Usually, the, if the drummer knows what's going on, he'll really sell it on the snare. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I know that we're on track. Yeah. That's, and that's if you have a good drummer. <laughs> and if he's aware of what everybody's doing. Yeah. Yeah, and it goes back to that nonverbal communication thing. Yep. yep. Like, you're constantly looking at everybody on stage. Mm-hmm. You really are, man. It's. And if you don't. There's... You're going to miss something. Yep. You're going to miss something big, and somebody's going to be irritated. Mm hmm. Because there's nothing more frustrating when you're staring at a hole through somebody and they just won't look at you. Like, you never pay attention to how many songs fade on the album until you start becoming a Broadway musician. Oh, yeah. Because then it's like, then you're like how are we ending this? Yeah, everybody looks just like, what are we supposed to do here? I don't... It just loops like 16 times. You you end it. <laughs> and, then, and then there's a guitarist like, here, and you're like, no, we are not at the beginning of the phrase. We can't stop in the middle of the phrase. And then you go to stop at the beginning, and then they just keep going. It's like, oh, I thought you wanted to stop. What are we doing? Oh, yeah. So that brings me to another little point. Um, the people that are have never played with bands before, Mm-hmm. The, the singers that play acoustic and do all the acoustic shifts and then they get offered a full band shift or they want to put together a band and like oh when they tune they, half step down and the key is capo four that that <laughs> that's just funny that or they literally just they don't know the parts of the songs because they've been reading charts so they just go verse course verse course bridge course done or they cut stuff out because it doesn't make sense to do it when you're playing by yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you going to play a solo section and just play the same four chord changes for 30 seconds? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. But they get in that habit. Mm-hmm. And then yep. you have to either break them of it or just say, hey, I'm unavailable. Generally do the, hey, I'm unavailable part. Only be only because... I don't know, man. I've gotten yeah. some good gigs because of artists like that. Because somebody in the band will be like, dude, you held on great. I don't know how you did that. You want to come play with me? And I'm like, yes, oh, yes I, absolutely. See, that's, that's different, though. That's when another musician on stage knows that you are paying attention. Mm-hmm. But then when you get that singer who is giving you, throwing their hands up, looking at you like you're stupid because you played the song the right way. Right. And they're like, why did you not do that? Yeah. So, so the musician's like, hey, you're good. I like you. Come work with me. And then I'd be like, cool, I'll go work with you. But that singer, I'm... If you call me, I'm not available. <laughs> and there, I mean, there, there's venues. I've told you this. There's venues and there's there's artists that if they hit me up. I like them. I like the people. I like the places. I don't want to play with those people or those places. So I'm just, hey, sorry, I'm unavailable. No, I'm not just, quite there yet. I'm still taking pretty much everything unless there's like a genuine issue. Yeah, there, there's only a handful of issues I've I've got places around town and i'll say it like it's the tootsie circuit oh yeah yep do i play there a lot i do but it's if it's only if i know you and you're a buddy of mine if you're somebody i don't know i wake up to a text it's like hey can you play kid rocks second floor at two o'clock on tuesday afternoon 
My answer is no. I'll help you find somebody. But I'm not I'm not doing that. That's very understandable. By the way, I want to say, I want to say thank you to you. I get quite a few uh, gigs thrown my way because of you. People are like, hey, I got your number from Logan. I appreciate that, man. So I no, I appreciate you, man. Like, thank you for that. It it means the world. I I do the same. You're definitely one of my top calls. Actually, I think you and Josh are my number two, number one, number two calls. We like, share a lot of the same gigs, yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah, it's like, hey, we all know all this stuff. We all know each other. Like here, you go here, and yeah, so. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. I, I really do. Absolutely, man. And that's a whole nother thing too, is like you kind of learn who has what strengths and who doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with their ability. It just has to do with like their fit and their repertoire. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain guys, if I've got a rock gig that I need to get filled, I'm going to call this set of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I've got a country gig I need filled, I might not call any of those guys. Might not really want to call one of those guys because I just know he's not going to do well. Right. Has nothing to do with their ability. But it's like you kind of learn like, oh, this gig, this person would do well. This gig, that person would do well. And And you match personalities too. So if you know like this lead guitarist really doesn't like this sort of thing, then maybe skip that guy and go to the next one on the list. Right. That's, I've got a few guys that if they recommend me for a gig, I know it's going to be a good time because they know me and they know my personality. And so if they think I should take the gig, then I'll probably be working with people that I'll like. Right. I mean, that's that's one of the dream things is to be playing gigs with people you like. Have Dude, steady gigs with people you enjoy being on that stage with. Because as soon as you stop enjoying being on a stage with somebody, those gigs become torture. Mm-hmm. They really do. It's the two out of three rule, man. It's the hang, the money, and the music. If the hang's good and music's good, I'll play a gig that I know I'm not going to make a oh, whole yeah. lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was a gig I was doing at Second Fiddle Rooftop like all this winter. Awesome band. It was myself, Clay Shelburne, Jake Holder. Um, a lot of times Jack Gavin, who was Charlie Daniels' drummer. Mm-hmm. I walked into it every week knowing we probably weren't going to make a lot of money. Any yeah. money. But we were having a freaking <laughs> yeah. blast. No, absolutely. I, I was doing this. I actually had a, a Clay and Jake put on well. a great show. Oh, They're yeah. so fun. There's there's a band that I played there every Thursday with for a while, and it was the same thing. I knew we weren't making anything. anything. Like, we were going to go up, get our bass, and get out. Yeah. But we crushed it every time. Um we had Dunham on saxophone, so that was always fun. Dude, like, I don't want to play with a player. sax player. That was the first time I ever played a sax player on Broadway. Like I've done like other gigs, like in high school and stuff, like sax player. But playing a Broadway gig with a sax player was one of the coolest things. Dude, I want to so ever. bad. Like, Have you ever watched Tim Andrews play? Uh, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. uh. So Tim usually he plays Rippy's Main uh, a few times a week, if not several times a week, but. He leans into like the full '80s American rock stuff. I'm talking. He's got like like the open denim shirt, yeah, with I, a bandana around yeah, his head. He, he is that it. character, yeah, yeah. and 100%. he just tons like Bruce Springsteen, a like heavy synth keys saxophone, and it's a fun show. Yeah, it sounds great. Oh yeah, they do a hell of a job. That's that's a great band to watch. Yeah. I mean, there's 
some absolutely amazing bands on Broadway. Absolutely oh, yeah. amazing. Just guys have been playing together forever. They're tight. They're good buddies. They enjoy it. And they are. They're playing some of these lower paying gigs with, you know, they're crushing it in tips. Like they oh, yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. They don't pass anything up. They'll try anything. So, I wouldn't even say they try it. Like they nail it. Yeah. I've heard so many bands be like, yeah, none of us know this, but we're going to give it a shot. And then, and then they it. crush it. Dude, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've said that. I've been like, yeah, none of us know this song. And then we play it, and afterwards I'm like, holy shit, guys. This was awesome. Good so, job. Yeah. <laughs> so what about when you nail it the first time, and then the next gig, they're like, hey, let's try this one since it went so well, and it's awful. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I mean, but that you can't play this much. And get it 100% every time. Oh, no, absolutely no. not. You're, I mean, there's times that, like, the song's not going to go well. You're going to have a bad night on a gig that you normally do really well on. Mm-hmm. One of my gigs that I'm on three nights a week, I showed up with a horrible migraine and double vision, and I was stumbling through that gig, through songs that I knew. It happens. Man, I've had a couple of migraines on stage, and that's the worst migraines and stomach issues on stage man like basically anything else you can fight yeah anything else you can get through those two things think or you're puking or you feel like there's nothing you can do shit your brains out nothing you can do about it oh yeah sorry that just when you said that migraine thing double vision oh no dude i had a couple weeks ago and it was pretty pretty rough i was not i was like I think I took like six or eight ibuprofen that day, like throughout the day, just trying anything I could, drinking water, eating. I took naps, like nothing got rid of it. And I was like, it's the day of, I don't think I'm going to be able to get anybody to fill this specific gig. So I'm just going to have to do it. And yep. It was a uh, high mean, that, energy that's gig, why having, lots of lights. That's why moves. having a good community is such an important thing in a situation like Broadway because – stuff's going to happen like that and you got to be able to get a hold of people and have you know somebody has to have your back if we don't if we don't watch our back nobody else will that's honestly one thing i love about the bass player community especially is like we are a tight group of motherfuckers i've mentioned that so many times Mm -hmm. on this on this podcast like it, it it this community of bass players blows my mind and the drummers have a great one too oh yeah like it's like. fantastic. I uh, I was doing a gig. It was um, a private event at one of the hotels, and I get there and I'm unloading gear, and I almost just pass out. Like I get super dizzy. I head to the bathroom, like almost blackout, and I'm sitting in the bathroom floor, like trying to see, and I'm texting the drum group, like, "Hey, somebody's got to come do this gig. I can't do it." And it took like a minute to fill the gig. Yeah. It was amazing. And then afterwards, like five or six people texted me, hey, dude, you all right? Did you make it home? Is everything good? Then I'm getting updates on the gig. He's like, gig went well. Dude said this. This is what happened. Like everything. It was fantastic. Sucks that I missed the money, but the community around it and being able to get somebody last minute, last second, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, we take care of each other for sure. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Like, you you have to. Nobody else will. Nobody else will. And if you don't, that's going to make you look real bad. And people are going to know real quick. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not something that goes unnoticed when you get 
when you screw somebody or hurt someone in this town. It oh, does yeah. not go unnoticed. Yeah, there's only one person who I know for a fact, like I will go out of my way to make sure that like buddies don't work for him only because he stole deliberately from the band. I think you know who I'm talking about. I think so, yes. And there, there's I, I have another person as well. Same thing. Like, I've, I've, I walked out of that band, and it was like my money making gig. Yeah, you, you don't take money yeah. from the rest of your when band. I found no. out that they were like no. stealing from the band. I was like, cool. And then confronted them, continued to lie about it. I was like, cool. I already know the truth. I already talked to the people, and they're like, oh yeah, okay, I was. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Bye. Yep. <laughs> and the thing is, is like if you're just open and honest, like, hey, I'm gonna take the higher chunk because I booked the, whatever reasoning like a lot of us will still do the gig just oh, yeah. be open and honest just don't hide shit from me yeah like the second I don't trust you it's done yep yeah. so all you have to do is I mean and I always show everybody in the band I'm like here's what we got paid mm-hmm. like this is this is the check like so everyone knows this is what you're getting there's never a question about it and I, I'm, I'm always so transparent about that, man. Like, I don't... I've been screwed so many times in this town with money, with people not wanting to pay me or, like, screwing me over on money. Like, I don't ever want to be that person that does that to somebody. No, absolutely not. And, I mean, along with that, I've had situations where I've played a gig and it's been, like, six weeks later and I'm waiting on base pay. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, I understand that, but I know that if I was in that position where I hired a band to play a gig and I was the one getting the check and I'm waiting a few weeks on 300 bucks, I'm just going to give you your, your $100 base yeah. pay and I'll get paid when I get paid. Right. You don't that's leave them be. hanging. And that's so that's much easier because be. then you don't have to remember things for two months. But And again, something else I have, re- we've talked about before mm-hmm. is... There's so many people that come to this town. This is the first time they're getting a big chunk of money like that, and they're like, "Oh, well, I can go ahead and pay all these bills, and I'll just I'll just pay these people on the next check or the the next." No, and that's what it becomes this vicious cycle, man. Because the bottom don't. line is, it's not your money. No, it's, it's not, not your money. It's not your money at all. It is the band's money. You need to pay people first before you take money. And if you're the one paying people, sometimes. You're going to take less money first and get it back later. Now, you, the inverse to that, because a lot of the bars pay a week and a half, two weeks out, however their pay schedule is, yeah. mistakes happen. People forget. Yeah. So uh, I just had to send a text message today and be like, hey, did we get paid for this date? And they were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I thought I paid everybody. Yeah. And no, That's no harm, cool. no foul. But, yeah, no, genuinely just not paying out. I worked with one guy. He wouldn't pay me for the last gig until we had another gig. That's not cool. Yeah. I was in one situation like that last year where guy had hired me. It had been a month. He hadn't paid me for the gig and then called me. He was like, hey, can you come play tomorrow? I was like, if you got money for me, I can play. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll have your, your money from last month today. I was like, if I show up, and you don't have money for me in hand, I am packing my gear up and going home. And that's not to be rude, but you can't just... It's business. You can't just hire people and not pay them. Right. It, this this is still a business. It's still... You're still dealing with money. You're still paying for a service. Mm-hmm. It's a business at the end of the day. Unfortunately, it's still a job. 
and people just don't know how to treat that. There, there. Like I said, there's a lot of people that come to this town that have never had a real job before. They've never been in charge of paying people, and they just don't get it. No. And well, unfortunately, yeah, you're not going to last very long if that's the case. You're, you're going to be no, gone that, quick. That is the quickest thing that people will tell everybody about is money. Like you can be an absolute jerk, you can be a drunk, you can show up stoned out of your mind, whatever. But if you fuck with money, that that's unforgivable. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, how how can you really trust someone at that point? They're stealing from you. The majority of the time, I've seen it with people who, as much as I hate to say it, and a whole different conversation, but it's real. I've seen people do this because they have a drug problem or an alcohol problem yep. mm-hmm. where they drink their base pay away at the gig, yep. regardless if they can still perform or not, or they take that check and immediately go blow it on Coke. I've seen that time and time again. <coughs> Most of the time, if someone's it. not paying you, it's, it's not because they're either, you know, trying to pay bills they're right. doing whatever if they're really struggling like like you said about the community we all got each other mm-hmm. but if someone's not paying you right away it's usually been that situation there was a a guy he's not here in town anymore um, but for a while he was just going through a lot of the new green musicians and just hiring new people in town like good players but new people in town and it's because he couldn't hire anybody else because he had a gambling problem. And every time he'd get money, he'd go up to the casinos and spend it all. And then he, that's where he would go cash his check and then spend everybody's money because he wanted to double it. And then just got it just became in this routine of him accepting a bunch of gigs, taking the money, spending it all. And then he owed like 15 people money. Yep. And he worked uh, or he was married to someone who worked with my ex-wife. So like. It even got it became involved in her job because some of these players played for bigger artists that were buying product from their company, and they knew like just this big circle. It's incestual, like it's everywhere. Yeah, and it's it's not. I mean, he ran out of town. It ended up causing a big thing with her, and they got a divorce, and it was it was a whole situation, whole situation. So that's why I'm glad I'm not a band leader. Oh. Not just not because of money, but like as so a, as a stress. side guy, you have it really easy, man. Mm. So I've been a band leader now for the last two years, and it's stressful. I'm not and jealous. Not not only am I a, a band leader in two bands, but one of the bands it's like my band and I co front. And I'll tell you what, this is, this is a shout out to all you artists and everybody that's out there managing your own stuff and you're handling all this. I praise you because this stuff is stressful, booking, getting everybody on for gigs, and then dealing with the backlash from the venues when you do have a bad day or there's not a good crowd or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's. I had to deal with that last week, man. I, I had a double and after both gigs, it was just a bad night just in general. Just the crowd wasn't there. I feel both bands did great. I feel both bands could have done things better personally. Um, but I do try to let the the artist and the singer lead the shows. I don't want to be the one, oh, it's mine. I'm in control. I hate that. I want the band to kind of feel it out. And we made some mistakes. And I was like, cool, we'll fix it next time. But after both gigs, I got pulled aside. And they were like, hey, 
here's your problems this time. This is what happens. You know, we have to, like, we do a report every night after the show. That's another thing. A lot of these bars, people don't realize that, well, I don't understand why I'm not getting gigs back. They're not calling me back. That's because you did something you weren't supposed to. They didn't like you, whatever. They're writing all this stuff down at the end of every gig. Yep. They're reporting your start time, your stop time, what you said during the gigs, if you said anything inappropriate. And yeah, you know, like I do a lot of the late night stuff, so it's okay. We can get away with some of the inappropriate stuff. Like, but you still got to behave. Right. Like, I'm not going to be sitting there and saying the F word every other word. I will say it. I'll shout it here and there and we'll have some fun. I'm not saying it every other word. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not being misogynistic. I'm not being racist. I'm not being rude. But there are people that get on stage and they'll just start saying things. They'll start catcalling women. They'll start doing things. These managers are writing all that stuff down. Well, and beyond yeah. that, like you still yeah. have to be on your game. You yeah. can't just phone it in every night for two months and expect to still have your gig. Yeah, you gotta. Like we said earlier, you gotta you gotta play to the crowd and the people that are there. They're at the end of the day, they're the one paying your bills. They're the ones that are tipping you. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make money, you got to do what they want. And so, you know, I got pulled aside after both of these gigs and they're like, Hey, you know, like this is all the stuff that happened tonight. Like we got to write all this down, you know, do better next week. And I'm not going to say on here, some of the things that were said to me, but some of the things that said to me really like shook me. And I left after my second gig, like in one of the worst moods I had left in Broadway in a long time, and because I felt it was it was on me. I was I'm a band. It's, it's my band. The checks in my name. They're hire. I'm hiring the bands. They're the venue hires me. I hire the bands. Right. And you know it's it's it falls on me unfortunately, and so like I had to reach out to both bands. You know after the second band, everybody was still there. I talked to them. I was like, here's what was said. I hate to say this, but they said it to me. I'm going to be transparent with you. Here's what was said. So well, we and that's gotta, the only way to fix anything. This. Yeah. And then the next morning, I, I texted the first band, and I was like, here's everything that was said, you know? And it was a well, damn, I mean, that's like a text message. A couple but. weeks ago, the same gig that he's talking about, we got done, and you walk up to me, and you're like, hey, um, on a lot of the stuff, your tempos are a little too fast. I didn't say your I well, said the we, tempo. I said it was. The tempo I said is a these songs were a little fast. I did not point anyone out specifically because no, I don't know who right, it was. Right, but as but I drummer, was struggling, um, I was definitely. If somebody says to tempo, sing. I'm just like, all right, well, I'll fix it because it's on me. But but no, like, and you have to do stuff. Otherwise, I'm going to do it the same way because that's yeah, where I thought it was, I, yeah. obviously. Because no one said anything to you, and you're like, okay, well, it sounded good. Like, and then, it's cool. I think I've spent the last couple weeks listening to songs, and a lot of those songs are way slower than I, like, way slower yeah. than I thought they were. But it's because, like, when I'm playing with party bands or something, and we play those songs, they're really fast. I would much rather it start out slow, because then I can just go behind me and tell you mm-hmm. to speed up, and you can speed it up till we're good. Oh, yeah. But when we're fast and we're already it's a lot in harder it, to do that. I'm like, how can we? I need to catch a breath. Well, then you lose all the energy too. <laughs> yeah, it's and, like, it, and the room can tell they start oh, to yeah. like kind of like ease back in their seats a little bit. They're not enjoying it as much as they were. Yeah, so that that's definitely definitely a challenge. But again, you know, that's why I try to be transparent and talk to everybody and let everybody know, hey, this is what went well. This is what didn't. Especially when it's a new band, like. And this is a very new band. And yeah. You weren't there last week. We had Michael Chalker on drums, and he did great. He's awesome. Love the guy. And 
but but this specific band that's that specific day it's I what mean, four shows five five that five you've done total yeah no four yeah only four only four yeah that's what i thought and um yeah that fourth show the the first one i felt went really well even though we had no one there because it was that friday before christmas mm-hmm, it did and then we had uh wednesday which was the crowd was eh but we kept them and they were yeah. tipping somewhat uh thursday i thought was really good uh the crowd was tipping the band was tight you mm-hmm. know we kept the crowd for the most of the night but then friday we came out swinging and we were i mean we were rocking out having a great time and then all of a sudden like an hour into it around 11 15 11 30 the whole crowd i almost the entire bar within three songs gone and I, I don't, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, there's there's things that happen with that. I mean, somebody I told think, somebody told me Morgan Wallen was across the street of Jason. In fact, several people told me Morgan Wallen was across the street of Jason. All he beans. was because I had an awful night at Snitch that night. Okay, hmm. everybody left wherever they were at, and they all went to Aldean's. So that okay, makes sense. And that, that's what it was because. <laughs> but at the time, like, there is no way you can watch everybody walk out of your gig and then feel okay. Oh you, yeah, you just can't do it. I mean, and sometimes I, you plan around it. So I, I had no idea who was going to be there. I had no clue. Nobody did. Yeah. But uh, you guys know, like, for sake of whenever there's a Preds game or there's a concert in town. So I walk into a closing gig on a Thursday or a Tuesday. I'm like, okay, there's a Preds gig going on. This first hour is going to be slow, so let's just chill. 11 o'clock hits. Let's ramp up the energy. People are going to be on the streets. Let's bring right. them in. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, those things definitely easy to work around. I mean, or easy like when you know Bridgestone's got a concert, you look at whoever's playing. If you know that's in your repertoire, the moment you see that get out, you start playing that stuff mm-hmm. to bring people in the door. Oh yeah, there's so many things that are not related to your instrument that you learn on how to make money. Down I was there. playing with a band when Garth Brooks played here, and that was when his show got canceled, right? Oh. And so like everybody left, and so. I told my whole band, I was like, hey, here's all like the hit Garth. I know there's a billion of them. But I was like, here's like the top 10, like the ones we play all the time. People are going to request. These are the ones we need to know. Everybody learn them. Yep. 100%. Nobody learned anything. Guess what? We got requested all night. Garth. Garth. And we had mm-hmm. to say, oh, we only know these two songs. So we did those two for 20 bucks. And after that, that was. No more twenties coming in because everybody want to hear Garth Brooks. There's there's an art to making money down there. Oh yeah, like if I see a group of the White Claw Wendy's outside, I'll just go up to the window. I'll start flirting at them. Absolutely. I know they're not going to spend money, but if they come inside, they're going to bring dudes inside, Mm -hmm. and those dudes are going to buy them drinks. And whenever she says she wants to hear a song, he's going to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's true, man. It's true. Dudes are dumb. I had a manager (laughs) come up to me and he goes, "Look, man," he goes. I'll be honest why I keep hiring you and keep bringing in the bands that you have. He goes, you draw in women and the women draw in dudes and they're the ones staying and spending the money yep. and the girls are out there dancing and we have a whole club vibe going on with live music and you guys, you have a good looking band and you guys rock out and you're full of energy. He goes, that's why we keep having you. He goes, so as long Absolutely. as you keep doing that, I'm going to keep hiring you. And I was like, okay, I know what you want. I know what I need to do. So that's what I'm going to do. So if there's an open window, guess what I'm doing? I'm dancing in the window. And I'm yep. telling you what, this green mohawk is one of the best things I did because people come in and be like, we just came in because we liked your hair. We wanted to see what you are going to do. Yeah. 
all the time. I, I've seen bands all the time. that it's 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 funny as hell. It cracks me up. Th- there's singers down there who are not good, but they can really put on a show. Mm-hmm. And if you can put on a show, man. Like I'm not, I'm not the greatest player in the world. I'm not. I am more of a showman than I am a musician. I'm a performer more than I am a musician. I'm gonna keep a crowd. I'm gonna make sure they have fun. Like, Absolutely. That's that's my job. That's the thing. Fun is more important to your average person than talent every time if they're I, I, having fun they don't care about the talent and i think there's a healthy balance there's there's oh, there bands is. i've Absolutely. seen that are i'm a pretty lifeless person on stage i mean i'm not it depends on the night obviously it depends on the gig but like i'm i'm not like you i'm not jumping around <laughs> um but you'll see bands that are polar opposites as, as I mean, the, the few times I've gotten really to play are. with you, like, there's always a point in the night where I'm like, is he mad at me? Like, I am I doing something wrong? <laughs> no. But it's like, I've seen bands that are super, super talented. They're playing stuff that nobody else can tackle, and they're not moving around a lot, but the crowd's enjoying it because they're such good musicians. Mm-hmm. And I've seen bands that can't play worth shit, but they're putting on a show, and people are enjoying it and i think it, you have to get somewhere in the middle ground where mm-hmm. no you're there's playing definitely really well. a golden spot and if you have to flub a couple notes because you're doing yeah you know, i mean you're up on it like the bar and you're ripping a solo whatever people love that mm-hmm. you don't want to sacrifice one for the other really you just want to find a, a good happy medium yeah and look the part you don't show up in the air jesus's on stage <laughs> Like that's that's not cool. <laughs> Flip flops and shorts, like oh, no. Man. Go home, change, come back. <laughs> that got me. I'm sorry. That that got me real good. But I mean, it's a thing, and I think it a is. lot of like, especially the female singers in the co fronts, they know that. I mean, they show up. You and I would go out the way we dress on Broadway. Yeah. Just in town, yeah. For the most part, we we have we have a look to us. This is our style. It's what we do. But there's there's definitely people in town that they you know they either ramp it up and they they they're throwing on outfit every day. They're looking good, and then there's people that just look like they rolled out of bed. <laughs> well, bottom line is your crowd will believe you. Yeah. So however you present yourself, that's what they're gonna believe. Yeah. If you look, act, and sound like a rock star. They think you're a rock you star. Are. Yeah. Yeah. They re- they really believe that you are. And that's I try to tell people all the time, play the part. Like you play mm-hmm. the part. It may not be who you really are off stage. Play that part on stage. Yeah. I guarantee your show's going to be better. I guarantee people yeah. are going to have way- Nobody they, has they, they to know we fun. were all band nerds. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. no yeah, no. <laughs> I, that's why a lot of my my nighttime gigs I don't wear the glasses cuz my glasses do give me a little bit of a nerdier look and I'm mm-hmm. like nope main reason is they fall off my face half the time the other reason is I don't want that look on stage right I don't morning gigs stuff like that where I'm chilling whatever fine but the evening gigs where I'm rocking out I want to look like a, a rocker or I want to look like a rock band I'm not wearing glasses I gotta squint to see some words on my phone fine <laughs> you know like I'm, I'm playing a part. I'm trying to make everybody not just myself. I'm trying to make everybody money. Myself, the band, the bartenders, the bar. I'm trying to make everybody money. Cause yes. When you make everybody money, 
everybody wants to hire you back. Yes. And that's kind that, of the that's thing something in this that town. people who are new really need to understand too is that when you're taking a gig from somebody who called you or you're subbing in for somebody, if you know you can't do it justice, you're not just affecting you, you're dipping into the other people on mm-hmm. stage's pockets yeah. too. Yeah. If you don't know songs and it sounds like shit, after they called you, you just got in the way of their money. Yep. That's the way you have to think about it. And people take that shit personal. Yeah. And speaking of, another thing is deliberately not learning songs or not playing songs because you don't like it. It's not, you don't like that artist or that song or whatever your feelings may be. Deliberately not playing that song, you're dipping into everybody else's pockets. I have one guy do that on stage. Phenomenal country player. Song got requested. Um, he didn't know it. I said, hey, it's really easy. I have no problem just shooting you a chart or giving you or throwing you numbers. And he stood on stage with his arms crossed and looked at the rest of the band as we played it. Then get on the talk back mic and said, I'm a country player. I'm not a rock player. Just by that alone, that is somebody I would never hire, mm-hmm. even though they have great ability. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. Absolutely. You are whatever Sorry. you are needed to be at the time. Yeah, I mean... It, Do you think I like Morgan Wallen? No. No, but... I'll Michael, play Whiskey Glasses 50 times a night if someone pays me 20 bucks for it. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to play it with a smile on my face and I'm going to sing you those stupid lyrics. And then I'm going like, to wipe my tears with the 500 bucks I made today <laughs> on the way home. Yeah, like... Just, like, if you don't like a song, learn the shit out of it so that way you don't have to think about it. And then you can just have fun, get through it, get paid, go home. Or, like, you know, there's an artist that I work with, and he doesn't like certain uh, artists and songs, and he doesn't want to play them. And a couple of them, I've been like, hey, fine, I'll do it. Yeah. But the problem is, is he still is like, well, it's a $200 song if we do it. And I'm like, first of all, you literally walk off stage when we do the song. So where do you get to call the shots on how much it costs? If I'm singing it, I really feel that's my choice. But... Let's play your game. Let's see who's going to make more money. Yeah. Have we gotten, has someone paid the 100 or $200 for those few songs a couple of times? Yeah. Maybe three out of 20. Three out of 20 times someone's paid that. But every time they've offered 20 bucks or, you know, they want to hear it, and I'm like, okay, 50 bucks. <laughs> they hate it so much. Fine. $50. Sure. Here. They'll pay it. Yeah. I always make more money. And I think there's I'm a, ex- play the shit out of it. There's exceptions to the rule. Yeah. Always. I mean, I think that, like I'm one of those people, and I, uh, there's several others who I know will refuse to play any David Allen Coe songs because I mean you can't drop the N word in ten of your songs and that's feel like that's okay. Completely understandable. Fine. If you just don't completely like the song because it's not your style, too bad. Like, yeah. Yeah. Unless there's some like something morally getting in the way of you playing your, the song, your reason is very justified. <laughs> Their reasons are not. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, and you guys, I'm sure there's hundreds of songs that I can't stand that we play dozens of times a week. Oh yeah. And you know what? Whatever, you still get paid for it. It's yeah. still the best job in the world. Exactly. At at the worst case, you still learned a song. Maybe it was something you didn't know that expanded your repertoire a little bit more. Just made you more hireable. I mean, when, that's anytime somebody finds out I'm a drummer, it's well, what kind of music? You, whatever pays me. Well, what's your favorite kind of music? Whatever pays me because I still get to play. Yeah. Like 
whether I like the song or not, I'm still playing music, and that's what I want to do. So that was a really important thing for me. About like a year ago, I got a. Uh, I want to say it was like on YEP or Musicians Network, one of the, one of those pages. Mm-hmm. They kind of made me realize that I had expanded my repertoire wide enough to do do like metal stuff. I can take care of it. R and B. I've done Americana albums, rock, whatever. There was a post that somebody needed a bass player for some recordings. There was nine, uh, nine comments on the page. Sorry, eleven comments on the page for recommendations. Nine of them were for me. Dang. I was like, okay, I think I'm doing something all right. Oh yeah, I definitely. Think, I think you're doing just fine, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing all right. Like I'm making good money. I've got the best job in the world. But it's, like I said, it's it's about, especially us as side guys being bass players and drummers. You're, you don't think of it as like, oh, I'm a rock bass player or I'm this type of bass player. No. It's like you are a bass player or a drummer. Yeah. And so you just learn how to do all of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes you hireable. Yep. 100%. Well, man, uh, you definitely had the odds against you when you got here, but it sounds like you're doing pretty fucking awesome now. And I know anytime I, I hear your name, like there's I, never a I negative comment. Say, it's always just you're one of the fantastic comments. One of my favorite people to, to talk about in this town because your story, I think you have an awesome one. And also, like, you know, just I connected with you right after that, all that shit happened, and we've been pals since. You've helped me. I mean, you went through a divorce, and then a year later, I went through one, and you yeah. helped me through some stuff. And I'm grateful for that and our friendship, man. Um, Likewise, dude. So, should I'm, we I'm start glad. a divorce club? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, man, it's it's been awesome having you on here. I'm really, really proud and, and happy to see where you're at in this town, man. Thank you, you, man. You've become very successful, and uh, there's a lot of things we didn't get to to talk about today that I definitely would like to come back and, and talk about. But we got to get this wrapped up. But no, thank you so much for, for coming on. We'd love to have you back. Dude, thank you for having me. Um, if you want to go ahead and shoot out your socials, your, your social media stuff that you got, um, just so if people want to find you, try to hire you, follow you, see see your journey. Yeah, you can uh, just find me on Facebook under Logan Hatcher and then uh, Logan Hatcher Base on Instagram. Don't do the TikTok thing. Uh, that's yeah, that's pretty much it. Find me somewhere on Broadway, I'm sure. Uh, somewhere in the middle of the country. I don't know where in the summer. <laughs> He's all over the place. Y'all make sure you go check out Logan. He's an awesome dude, great player. Um, if you're here in Nashville and you need a bass player and I'm not available, hire this guy. <laughs> if he's not available, hire me. <laughs> but, y'all, thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, Bob, you want to give out your socials so everybody can find them? Yep, all my stuff is either Story of Bob or Story of Bob Music. If you search it, it'll pop up. Um, the podcast has its social media stuff that you are expertly handling now. And uh, it is fantastic. I'm trying, man. I'm I'm just just trying to have some fun with it. Y'all can find me, Kyle Thurkey, Thurkey Bass. I'm I'm all over the place. I'm Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, make sure you follow Nashville for Nobody's podcast. We are on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, and then wherever you listen to the podcast, Anchor, Stitcher. Um, Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere you can find podcasts, that's where we're at. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram. Share the podcast with people. Rate the podcast. Rate the podcast. That helps Comment. A lot. Just just interact with us. I want to interact with all you guys. Thank you again so much for listening, and uh, we're out of here. AMF. Bye. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We have a great time putting it on for you, so we really appreciate all of the listens. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, we are on Facebook and Instagram. So if you just search Nashville for Nobody's Podcast, we will pop up and you can interact with us that way. We also have some more options coming up in the future for interaction, so that'll be a whole lot of fun. So as always, it's never too late to tip your bartender, and please don't forget to tip your band. Thank you.